Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Why should any of us stand up for the things that we truly believe in? Or in this day and age especially, it is becoming harder and harder for us to actually stand up for the things that we do in fact believe in without cancel culture trying to uh, take us down or the advent of social media, people on there trying to have their say about our viewpoints. And all in all, it is creating this very negative culture and environment for a lot of people. And it's also spreading a great deal of fear. My next guest I have followed actually since 2017 when he was drafted by the Orlando Magic. I won't hold that against him because it's not my favorite basketball team. The Miami Heat is, but I will forgive him and say that they were both in the same uh, state as each other. Um, Jonathan Isaac is his name. He was drafted uh, sixth pick in the first round by the Orlando Magic, and he is a quite literally a talented individual. He was a force to be reckoned with when he was on the court. He dominated uh, in the power forward position. But more than that, Jonathan is a kind-hearted, open, authentic human being that many of you will absolutely love. He rose to uh, I guess you could call it a different sort of fame when he decided uh, not to stand for the national anthem in the bubble. Uh, some of you might have seen that picture or remember the video uh, for the Black Lives Matter uh, protest that was happening when when the whole George Floyd uh, event uh, transpired over there in America. So essentially most, pretty much every single uh, uh, NBA player uh, decided that they wanted to kneel and wear Black Lives Matter jerseys. But Jonathan Isaac decided to be different and his decisions and reasons behind him standing in the dome or the bubble, sorry, uh, were quite, I think, respectful as a whole in in essence. And he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He was trying to bring awareness to the most important message that really can be uh, produced or, or publicized out there in the world, which is bringing glory to every single life that matters because God created every single life with meaning and with purpose. So I have a lot of regard and, and respect for this young man and the things that he's doing. He has a brand new book coming out, which I think is going to help a lot of people understand the importance of character the importance of being able to stand up in the face of adversity 
and remain true to those things that you do believe in. And especially as a young person, this message is needful in today's day and age because it is so easy to go along with the trends. It is so easy to just falter and collapse under the pressure and the weight of everything. And Jonathan has felt it all, but he has uh, done his best and he has made the decision ultimately to remain true to uh, what he believes in. And he also made more uh, headway, headlines, I should say, by his decision not to be vaccinated, which I once again respect and agree with uh, his stance and everything that he just said, uh, or everything that he did say, sorry, in that decision and his explanation. He's very smart and intelligent uh, as a whole. So I know that you guys are going to really love Jonathan's story. And if you do, please, please share this one around to as many people as you possibly can help spread uh, awareness uh, around this. Also, don't forget to pre-order a copy of Jonathan's book. Help this one go far and wide because it's going to be needful. It's a powerful message, just like Jonathan's story is incredibly powerful too. Uh, so get around this young man and everything that he does do and, and stand for. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me to the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Jonathan Isaac. Yo, I appreciate that introduction so much. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate you and, and asking for me to come on, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to talking to you. It's from the heart, man. Like I've been following your journey since I, I knew about you back in 2017. I saw you get drafted. You were six overall. You went to uh, Orlando. Sadly, you didn't get picked by Miami. Spewing. <laughs> but no, nah, man, your your journey is, is quite inspirational for a young person like myself doing the kind of things that I am doing and wanting to to have the courage, I guess, to stand up for the things that I believe in and be a man of integrity and be a man of character too. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for your time today and very looking forward to getting into it. Before we officially dive further into your story, I have one question that I love asking all my guests at the very start, which is what does success look like for you? Okay. Uh, thank you again. Thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Um, I would say success for me, it, it's not necessarily like a destination. Um, it's not like one thing that I'll do in my life where it's like, boom, I'm a successful guy um, in somebody else's eyes. And so or even, or even my eyes for that matter, I, I would say success for me um, is the continual growth in doing what I feel like God is leading me to do. And if I'm able to execute um, you know, just just what I feel like he has for me and continue to grow in relationship with him, I would, you know, rest my case as, as, as living a successful life. And so that, you know, you even touched on it, that some of the things that, you know, I've, I've, I've stood up for or said, I feel like those were moments of success in doing what I felt like God was leading me to do and doing it with sincerity and a humble heart and wanting to have open conversations with people. And uh, that, that's, that's that. And so I, I think that, you know, so far in my life, I've, I've successfully tried to put those things into practice and, and deeming me um, successful in my own eyes. And I hope in the eyes of God. When was the moment for you specifically, Jonathan, that you realized this in fact was success for you? Was it like this catalyst moment for you? Was it sort of like a, a couple of gradual moments that you sort of realized that it was success? You know, it's, it's definitely gradual moments. Um, you know, I, I grew up in church, um, but as I began to go through high school and college, I definitely got away from it. And I detail this all in the book. Um, but, you know, my, my dad and my mom splitting up and some of the things that I experienced when I was younger, I really went through life with a sense of, uh, of fear and, and self-insecurity and anxiety. And some of the stories in the book, you're going to be like, what? There's no way. Um, but but I had this image in my mind of what I felt like a man was and I didn't live up to it um, until I found basketball. And in basketball was success for me. It was everything that I wanted, the, the attention, the fame, the, the notoriety, the money, the women, all of that stuff until I got it. And then I was able to to experience it and found out that it wasn't as fulfilling as I always thought it would be. Um, and then I started to backtrack a little bit and say, man, maybe the stuff that you know my parents were teaching me when I was younger was true. And then I go down this whole kind of crazy story of coming to faith. But in that journey of 
of learning about the love of God, learning about who God is and who God says that I am, I've been able to kind of peel back the layers, you know, in my own heart and say, man, my identity is found in God. My success is found in God. My confidence is found in God. And I've been able to grow as a man through it all. Let me dive further in and, and unbox a little bit more of what you were saying there, because it's quite a bit uh, for me to, to unpack. So how old were you when you discovered basketball first and foremost? Uh, I would say I would I would I would say around seven or eight, you know, in New York City. And then when I was 10, my parents split and I moved from the Bronx, New York to Naples, Florida. Wow. What was it like? What was it like for you, man, having to grow up in an environment where your parents did split? What was going through your mind during during that ordeal? But it, honestly, it, it was just a huge culture shock. You know, you know, first off, not not so much the split, but moving to a place that's predominantly white coming from the Bronx, New York, but my dad was my everything. My dad was my hero growing up. Like I thought this guy was like a little literal Superman. And, you know, when him and my mom split up and it was very chaotic and it was very quick that we left, there was something in me that said that I was inadequate and that he didn't, he didn't see me as, as, as valuable in his eyes. And I started to see myself that way. And as I uh, got to Naples, Florida and started to experience some of the things from other kids and staff and teachers and all that stuff, it, it reinforced my own feelings of, you know, inadequacy and, and and not liking myself for me or feeling like I had to be somebody else or somebody more than just me to to get love and attention and and to feel valuable. So how did basketball help you, I guess, find identity? Did it help you find identity at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely helped me find identity, but you know, in, in, in the wrong way, I would say. Um, because I, I, I had a desire to be loved and had a desire to be cared for. Basketball was like the the the, the agent for that. Uh, I started playing basketball and I, I was terrible when I first started. Um, but as I began to just pour all of my attention, all of my, you know, just everything I had into the game, I started to experience what, you know, what I wanted. People knew who I was. I'd walk into a gym and they say, yo, that's Jonathan Isaac. And that's the guy, you know, I want to play like him. I want to be like him. Um, and I started to get attention from girls and, and all of this different stuff. And I'm like, man, it was almost like a drug. Um, and as I began to progress in basketball and then you're talking about me possibly going to the NBA, um, I, I was I was I, it, it was like a, uh, it was both sides. On one side, I was like I, I, I felt in my heart that I was inadequate, but basketball gave me what I needed. But at the same time, I didn't want to lose any of it. So it was it was like this rabbit wheel of like trying to live up to um you know, this, this pedestal that I, that I thought that I needed to be on. And at the same time, being afraid of falling off of it. Um, but basketball helped me to help me to gain all of that attention and love that I felt like I was missing or that I needed. For a young person at the moment that is sort of chasing a similar thing that you're, that you were chasing growing up, why is that so detrimental or so dangerous to a person's identity in the first place? Do you think? Well, it's, it's just, it's just not fulfilling. Um, and it, it, it's almost like you have that like goal dangling in front of you, but you can never really grab it. Or once you do, you find out that it's, it's not as priceless or as worth it as you, you thought before. And so uh, when I was able to experience everything out in the world that I thought I wanted, you know, I found myself unfulfilled and wanting of like, man, this isn't me. There's like, there were so many times that, and this is a little personal, but there's so many times that I, I would come home from the club and look myself in the mirror and be like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, because I want to fit in with my guys and my boys. But at the same time, they don't, you know, they're looking, they're, they're doing it to get away from all their problems and all their things too. Um, and so I, I would say it's detrimental because, you know, if your identity is in something that, that cannot sustain you, it'll go when it goes. So if I was to, if I was to lose basketball, if somebody's identity is in their job or in a person or a parent or in a significant other, if that person then does let you down, your identity is crushed. And so as I begin to find my identity and who God has called me and made me to be and what he says about me is true and not what the world says about me, or when I was able to experience his unconditional love, it was, it was safety and it was freedom and it was solitude and man, I am I'm, I'm accounted for, I'm loved, I'm chosen. Um, and I find my identity in that and not what I do. Mm. So how, what's the story behind God finding you or you finding God? Yeah. Okay. So this is the story. Um, and, and it's, it's so dope in the book too, Jay. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I get to, I get to the Orlando magic and, uh, 
I'm, 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 I'm having my rookie season and I'm, do, I'm doing all this stuff that I want to do. I'm experiencing this NBA life. And one, uh, uh, one of my teammates are like, yo, you want to go to chapel? And uh, I was like, you know, what's chapel? He was like, you know, the, the NBA has it. It's like 60 minutes before every game you go and the chaplain talks and you leave. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go. And uh, I go and the chaplain starts. He says, okay, we know we're going to start with this verse. And then we're just going to talk about the verse. And the verse was Luke 6, 46. And it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And it goes on to be like, you know, if, if you are to hear my words and put them into practice, you're wise. And, you know, when the trials of life come and beat against your house, you know, you built a house on rock and not on sand. And, you know, I started to think and I was like, man, that's me. And it, it, it had my number 100 um, percent. And he was talking about how uh, pretty much the same thing, like, you know, it, it, when you when you hear God's word and you don't put into practice, you're considered foolish because you built your house on all these different things that don't matter. And ultimately, when the trials of life come, they'll get wiped out. And I knew that I knew what he was saying was true um, from from my childhood, from learning about it. But just in and of myself, I was like, what this guy is saying is true. And I found myself confronted because I was like, yo, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And I would have considered myself a Christian. So if somebody would have asked me that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, I pray sometimes when times get tough from, you know, messing up games on the basketball court or, you know, I'll wipe my my playlist clean and just listen to Christian music for a while um, every now and then. I'll go to church every now and then. But uh, it wasn't something that I understood that was dear to me or that I cared about or I cared about what Jesus had to say. And uh, so then I was like this. I was like, OK, I'm going to search this thing out. I'm going to find out if this thing is true and I'm either going to drop it and drop the whole Christian label altogether, or I'm going to give it my all. So I started diving into like Christian apologetics and uh, uh, Frank Turek and uh, 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 Wright and all of these different guys uh, and just started diving into all that stuff. But this is this is where it gets crazy. So I, I am I'm going on the elevator one day and I'm going on the elevator and this guy stops me and he says, I know how you're going to be great. Huh. And I'm like, what? How I'm going to be great. And I, I could tell the guy didn't know who I was. And I was like, how? He was like, you got to know Jesus. And I was like, man, I'm a Christian, man. Be alone, whatever. I'm, I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, I keep seeing this guy. I keep running into him. He lives in the building. Um, he told me his name was Doc, but I kept running into him, uh, you know, in the parking lot, on the elevator. And every time I would see him, he would be like, you know, come to lunch with me. And, you know, my defenses were way up. I'm like, you know, what does this guy want? All of that. So, uh, so I keep seeing it. And then finally, Jay, I'm like, if I see you one time, I will go to lunch with you. And so I go to lunch with this guy. We sit down, you know, we're talking, we're shooting the breeze, you know, talking about God a little bit. And what I told him was, I can't stand pastors. I can't stand them. They're hypocrites. Um, you know, they just want your money to stand the third. I told him, I told this to this guy. And, uh, after I left the lunch with him, I deleted his number from my phone and was just like, you know, <laughs> it, it was nothing. And then, uh, so I still keep doing the same things that I'm doing. And, uh, one night my, uh, my old high school trainer came to Orlando and, uh, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were going to go to a movie and we started with watching this like Christian movie, but it was terrible, bro. Like it was, it was so cheesy. And so we switched over to Thor. So in all, we were at the movie theaters for like three hours from watching like half a movie and then going into Thor and I leave the movies and we're sitting and we're talking, you know, outside. And he's like, you know, like, where are you at with God? He, he would casually ask me, where are you at with God? I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm seeking, you know, I'm seeking. I'm not really sure. I'm trying to figure this thing out. And he was like, if you seek long enough and, and genuine, if genu as genuine as you can, you're going to find, you're going to get the answer. And I'm like, you know what? Cool. I appreciate that. I get in my car. I drive out of the parking lot. As I'm driving out of the parking lot, a car is driving right into the parking lot. And I look to my left and it's this guy. And we're like window to window. It's this guy. I'm like, what in the world? So I say to him, I say inside of myself, I say, God wants this guy in my life. I, I don't know in what capacity. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to him, but there was a there was a piece in me that this is something that I should pursue. And so I rolled down the window. He rolls down the window. I say, you, me, breakfast tomorrow. So <laughs> and so so we go to breakfast. And so th this thing happened. And another thing happened just a little bit before this. I was reading, you know, some some scriptures with my friend and it was talking about how 
whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. How Jesus was talking about, you know, you know, feeding and clothing and visiting people in jail. And I told him, I said, you and me are going to um, buy a bunch of burgers and we're going to hand it out to the homeless on Thanksgiving. So it was, it was around Thanksgiving time in the beginning of the season. So I go to breakfast with this guy and we're talking and I want to show like, yeah, I'm a Christian too, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go and feed the homeless on Thanksgiving. He's like, what are you going to feed them? I was like, burgers. He's like, burgers. He was like, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? He was like, if you're going to feed people, you have to do it right. And he was like, I have a catering company. He said, if you buy the food and you give it to me, I'll have my people cook the food and we'll really serve the poor, serve the homeless. And so I'm like, okay, I agree to it. And so I get in my car and I'm following this guy to Sam's club. And the whole time I'm following him, Jay, I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Why are you following this guy? This makes no sense. Um, so I follow him. We get to Sam's club. I buy the food. I give him the food. And the whole time I'm in, in my head so much about like, what are you doing? But at the same time, I'm saying this, it feels right. It feels like I'm doing the right thing. So I buy the food. I give him the food. He goes. And I'm thinking to myself, you just fed this guy's family for like a year. You're never going to see him again. Um, and so I get an address you know, like the, that, that weekend. I get a text with an address and I go there. And it's in this plaza and there's like a, there's like a, a line of like 200 homeless people. Huh. And I get out of my car and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I get out and there's these people serving the food and the homeless people are all like excited to see me. And I get in line and there's this young lady standing next to me. And she's like, uh, you know, she wanted to thank me for what I was doing. And I was like, how did all these people get here? It was like, you know, uh, Doc told us about what you wanted to do. And we were out passing out flyers and, and, and all that stuff. And I was really like moved. You're like, I was like, what in the world is going on? So I put my hairnet on and I go and I just start serving people. And um, it gets over and Doc sees me and he's like, you know, could we please pray for your ankle? So again, I'm like, okay, like, let's go. Cause I was injured at the time. And so he takes me in this church that's in the plaza mm. and uh, you know, he gets on his knees and he grabs oil and his wife is there and these other people come around and these people pray for me. And it was like, it, it was the, it was such a long time since anybody had prayed for me, like in my presence. And, and again, I was just moved at just like the severity of everything. And so I get home that night and I'm crying. You know? <laughs> like I, I get home that night and I, I, in, in my new apartment in Orlando, I had been there for months. I had not knelt by my bedside the entire time that I was there. So that night was the first night that I knelt by my bedside. And I was like, I'm like, God, you're real, yo. Like, like to feel like all of this, I'm, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it, but like to feel like all of that stuff was like orchestrated. It made me feel like I was cared about. It made me like my whole life. I've been running this rat race of like, does anybody love Jonathan? Does anybody care about Jonathan or what Jonathan do? And that night was like, yo, like God knows me and he's orchestrating my steps in some way, shape or form to, for this to work. And that night I was like, I remembered the prayer that I prayed when I was younger, like Jesus come into my heart, be Lord of my life. And I'm, I'm really getting emotional. Yo. I, pray, I prayed the prayer and you know, the, the next weekend Doc had texted me. He was like, you know, do you want to come to church with me? And I was like, man, if, if you're cool, your pastor has to be cool. So we, I get to the church. I'm like, where the heck is Doc? And they introduced the pastor and it's him. Yeah. Doc is the pastor. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm so glad that he didn't tell me. Cause if he would have told me that he was a pastor, I would have, I would have never went to lunch with him. Cause I was so, what would happen was there was a pastor when I was at Florida state, um, who got into some trouble, um, you know, was sleeping with a, a member of the congregation. And I was so self-righteous in that moment that I was like, yo, like, I'm done. Like, I'm never going to this church again. I'm done with pastors. Like, that stuff is crazy. There's no way that you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then so pretty much after that Sunday, I just started going to that church and Doc, you know, became my pastor. And he just started to just pour into me about love and God. And, and he showed me what real love looked like about loving somebody, not for what they can do, not for just their highs, but in my low moments. And in the book, there's so many stories about times we'll come home from games and I would feel so low and just I got hurt again. I got injured again and he would be there and he would minister to me and, and, and not let me stay in my, you know, in my brokenness and in my pity and all that stuff. But he would encourage me that I could be more and I could be better um, and that God loved Jonathan for Jonathan. And in that time, I just started to grow. Man. I just I, would, I just grew as a man. Um, and then we get to these different places where I found myself standing 
for what I believed in in these small ways that led to this, you know, big stand that everybody saw, but nobody saw the small ways that I stood behind the scenes. And uh, yeah. What a story, man. Like <laughs> That is an incredible story of how God literally found you <laughs> again. And I, I always say like, if we do, this has happened to me in, in my own life when I've, um, I was raised in a Christian household, but then I walked away from God for a number mm-hmm. of years. And like a shepherd, like when one sheep goes astray, the shepherd goes after that sheep and brings it back home because one sheep is just as valuable as the rest. So mm-hmm. that's what's happened to me. But it doesn't guarantee that the, the journey going back to safety is going to be uh, yeah. easy <laughs> at all. And, and I think that you've experienced that, I've experienced that, which makes it such a more profound testimony as a whole to share it with people, to show them that God is real. He does love you and he does care. And I think that is such a, a needful message to, to put out there into the world. But also you mentioned there as well, nobody really saw the, the small moments of you standing for what you really believe in. They only see you in the big moment when it, when the media or the, the rest of the world actually sees it. So can I ask you, now, I mean, that's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing it and, and your vulnerability to share it as well. But those small moments, I'm interested in those small moments. In what way did you stand in those small moments that sort of helped you build towards, I guess, the bigger moments? Yeah. Um, so so there's, there's one story um, that's in the book that I, I won't share, um, but there's, there's another one that's also in the book. But, but so, so pretty much as I was, as I was growing, um, you know, I was going to church. I was, I was excited about like this new, like found, like, like peace and comfort and like just, just faith that I was feeling. But at the same time, there was a, I was, I was, I was struggling with feeling comfortable in the NBA scene. So it was around my teammates. It was, you know, at games or on interviews and stuff like that. It would be like on one side of me, I was, again, I was so excited. I was like, I'm learning about God. But the other side, I was like, I felt uncomfortable. I wanted to be comfortable with the people that I was around. Yeah. And um, there was, there was, there was, there was one night that um, it's, it's so weird. I don't know if you, you got to believe me, but I, I was laying in my bed um, and I started sweating. I'm laying in my bed. I couldn't sleep. I started sweating. Um, and I was thinking that when I was laying down, I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about, um, there's like there's the story in like James. I don't remember exactly what what paragraph it was, um, but it was talking about how if we will be if we will be doers of God's word, then we would get yeah we would get the blessings that God has for us. And I was thinking about that, and I started I started sweating as I'm living, and I felt I felt this like unction on the inside of me that was like preach. Hmm. It was like preach, and I'm like. <laughs> so I, I started like speaking it out loud. I'm just, I'm like walking through my, my apartment, like saying like, you know, if we, if we would just do what God is asking us to do, you know, not in perfection, but if we would just, if that would be our aim, um, like, you know, if you were a kid and your parents promised you that you would get ice cream, if you cleaned your room, just focus on cleaning your room and the ice cream is going to be there because your parents, they have it too. And that, you know, at, analogizing that to God, like God has what we need. He's made us a promise that, you know, uh, that he'll bless us and all that stuff. But we just focus on doing doing his word being doers of his word and then again I, I felt it like even stronger it was like preach so I get I get like <laughs> I get like a brush and I'm like standing in front of my mirror and I'm like preaching to myself in the mirror um and then it just you know I just go to bed after that but I was I woke up that was so weird last night and so I mentioned it to doc and he was like uh, uh dude you have to you have to preach on a Sunday huh. and I'm no 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 heck no 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 way what are you talking about He's like, you have to preach on a Sunday. He was like, that was God. He was like, that that was God downloading to you. That's something that you have to share. And I was like, you are insane. I'm not preaching. And um, and he was like, okay. He was like, you give me your answer only after you really pray about it. And then he said, I also think you should invite your teammates. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I was like, there's there's no way that I'm doing that. There's no way. Um, and, and again, all of the fear and just the anxiety that um, that I had grew up experiencing was just like flooded over me of like, you know, what are they going to say? What are they going to think of me? They, they don't know this Jonathan. They know the Jonathan that that likes Henny and Coke at the club. They don't know this Jonathan that's trying to to do right by God. 
And what I'm like, I'm going to go to them and tell them that I'm going to preach in church and I want them to come. And I, I was just, I was, I was terrified on like a new level that I've never been. You know, I, I would be, I would be speaking to people that were Christian longer than I was alive. And I was like, there's no way this is new for me. Um, but at the same time, I couldn't deny what I was experiencing. And so um, <clears throat> I, I didn't go to prayer for like a while because I was like, you know, if I if I pray about it, it's going to be a yes. And so, again, again, during that time of like growing, Doc would invite me to like 530 prayer. So like I was playing in games, going to practice, but waking up at 530 to meet him at the church to, you know, lay before the altar and pray. And um, again, like that the, was a part of like my growth. And then so um, so I go to prayer and I remember what God was showing me was like the time that the guy asked me to go to chapel, the time that, um, you know, meeting Doc, you know, car to car, uh, the time of, you know, feeding the people. And it was like those instances of like, let me lead. Like, I got this. Like, I have you. You're OK. You can do this. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so. I invited my teammates one by one. I went up to him like, yo, I'm going to preach. And, and and each time I each person I went to, it got easier and easier to do. Um, but then I did. I, I went to church and it, they filmed it. It was on YouTube and all that stuff. And I preached and and everybody was like, yo, like this is in you. This is in you, too. Um, and they respected the fact that I did what I was afraid to do. And so it was a real testament to courage and just believe in God, you know, outside of all the fear and and people don't know my story, like this book shares my story. So what I wanted to do with the book is like, you see this like courageous moment of, of standing in the bubble. Yeah, I get it. That was cool, but it's not alive until you know where I was in college. When I was at Florida State playing ball, I was on anxiety medication. Right. Nobody knows that. My mom doesn't know that. My dad doesn't know that. The only person that knew was me, a teammate that we were in, we were in, um, uh, study hall and I passed out in study hall. That's the only reason why he knows. And I was feeling so much anxiety and pressure from being the big man on campus at Florida State. Everybody was like, you're the guy. You're going to get us to the, the NCAA tournament. And I was like, I'm not the guy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not him. Um, and, the, and then to get into this place of like, I'll preach. And it, it, it was the first time that I, you know, that I stood up and said anything, you know, you know, to anybody outside of like the, the little things of like talking to kids or anything like that. But I was still extremely nervous for all of those. But I did it. Yeah. And um, that was a moment of like, you know, just 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 standing in, in, in courage and believing that God had me. And and now to me speaking a bunch of more times, um, you know, but now it's much easier for me to do. And yeah, I was going to ask you about. The pressure, man. And I appreciate you actually sharing that you were on anxiety medication before and, and all the things that you have been able to do after that, like going from being on anxiety. I had a massive panic attack in year 11, I think it was. An ambulance was called, kind of felt like I was um, having a heart attack. So I know the kind of feeling when you have all this like built on pressure, whether or not you put it on yourself or if it's actually really around you. Uh, we can be our own worst enemies at times. So I completely understand what you're going through, even though I wasn't on medication as a whole, but I was going through severe anxiety and, and stress and, and and whatnot. So it means that you, your spirit's out of whack <laughs> a lot of the time. So well done, man, for like being able to preach. I know that's something like for myself, I'd be shaking in my boots, <laughs> like scared. Wait, wait. Just the fact that you're able to do this is definitely on the inside of you. Well, that's not like, once again, I'll speak to what you're saying. It's all God. Like every right. single conversation that I have, people don't know this, but I say a prayer before I go and, and ask God to give me the words that he wants me to say during the conversation and to actually bless the conversation, even if they're not Christian at all, even if they don't believe it. But I think that God just enables the blessing as a whole and, and, I'm a vessel. That's all I see it as being, man. Same, same with you, which I, I think you, you can understand. Anyway, I'm getting off on my own little tangent here, but um, I, I did wanted to like ask you now. I, I am mindful of the time, by the way. It's been real. No, listen, Jay, we can talk. We can oh, talk. Let's, let's do it. Okay, <laughs> I'm loving it. So I did want to ask you about the for young people at the moment because you are still young. I think I'm older than you by a year. Um, okay we're still around, around the same age about what it means to really be a, be a man. I mean, this is something that I've like struggled with growing up, uh, 
what that really means and looks like. Do I need to be courageous in order to be a man? Do I need to like face fear in, in, in its eyes and then just defeat it? Uh, if I don't, does that mean that I'm really a man? All these things, man. So I'm curious now as the, the kind of man that you are today, what do you believe that it really means to be a man or a man of sincere faith as well? Yeah, man. All of the things that you're saying about like, you know, like courage and, 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 and boldness and all, all of that stuff for me and it, and 100%, it's still a process and I'm still progressing. I still feel afraid when things happen, but I know where to run. And I would say it starts there. So the courage, the courage and the boldness and all of all of that have been, have been, have been, um, uh, what's the word? Um, they come after the faith. They've come after I have, I've tried my best and, and, and I'm so thankful to doc and just the people that got around me that have poured into me with love and encouragement as I've grown in my belief of who God is and who God says that I am courage and the boldness and all that stuff have come after that. And so our, if, if, if our focus would be growing in our belief, it's almost like it has to happen. You have, you have to be courageous because the Holy spirit is on the inside of you. You have to be bold. Um, and again, because you have somebody to lean, I'm not bold for my own sake. And, and a testament of that is what I was before, uh, before I knew God. Um, I'm not courageous in my own, in, for my own sake is because of where I was before, but all of that has come. I've been able to stand because I wasn't standing alone and I wasn't standing for me. I was standing for what I believed that God wanted and, um, and that ultimately he would have my back and he would keep me throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, somebody just tried to call me my bad, Jay. Oh, good, man. Can you still see me? I can okay. still see you. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I can see you again. But um, but yeah, so I would say when it comes to 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 being a real man, I believe it starts with our, you know, desire and seeking of who God says that we are. Um, because it's completely contrary to what the world says that a man is. And that's what I was chasing for so long until I got it. And I was like, man, this stuff, <laughs> this has nothing to do with what a man is about. And I got to be around people who were that man and to see that, man, you're you're not fulfilled. You know, you're, you're not happy. You're, you're, you're chasing what is un, you know, it's not catchable. Um, you know, it's never satisfied. You have to go bigger and more and better. And to, to the next person to compare and who has more, who has this, you're not, you're not at peace. And so, um, you know, for me and for you and for any young man that's watching, it was like, start there, start with finding out who you are in God, the mighty man that he calls you, that he says that you are the mighty man of valor, the mighty man of strength and courage, and then let that produce you know, the courage and stuff that he's leading you to do. Be like Joshua, right? Be strong and have good courage. Yeah. That's what I oftentimes think about, not to my fault sometimes, (laughs) not in the moment, but usually after hindsight in 2020. And I'm like, well, okay, next time I'll, I'll be a little better. I'll work towards being that courageous uh, person that God has created me to be, or I should be. Right. Um, again, just what you're saying about it being a process, but when you said the verse, be strong and courageous. So it's not just about Joshua being strong and courageous. It's about the next verse, be strong and courageous for I am with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's the thing when it comes to being a man of faith and and becoming who God has called you to be, it's knowing that it comes from him. So your courage, all that stuff God is saying, be courageous because I'm with you. You can be courageous and bold because you have the person who controls it all for you and on your side and greater are they that are with you than they that are against you and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Those are all the things that, that I was reciting that, that, you know, doc, my pastor was sharing with me and telling me when it came to standing in the bubble. Having those verses in your heart, when you're going through difficult moments and, and moments that you do need to stand is powerful. It's, it's important. And I think uh, it helps us to steer our attention towards God in those moments and, and not, just, us. And not, and not so focused on us because we, we make it about us like I'm afraid, but it's like I don't have to be afraid if I have God. Exactly, man. What do you think God's teaching you at the moment in your life? Uh, God is teaching me at the moment. And it's been something that I've been really, really, really thinking about. And, um, you know, Doc, you know, Dr. Deron Hepburn is, is, is the pastor that I met at the, in the elevator. Um, but he, he preached a sermon um, two Sundays ago, last Sunday, about how. Um, the things that hinder us, um, the things that the enemy uses 
um, against us or what's already on the side of us. And so, um, you know, let's say if, you know, I, I couldn't be tempted with robbing a bank because I'm, I'm, but I could be tempted in another area because that's something that either I identify with or is on the inside of me that I struggle with. And so he was talking about being able to take those things to God and um, allow yourself to work on them and, and face them so that it won't be um, it won't be something that hinders you in the future. So that's jealousy. That's that's bitterness. That's unforgiveness. That's fear. Fear is a big one um, for me because it's something that I struggled with so much in the past. I'm actively trying to work through and allowing God to be my strength and my and, and my courage at the time. Um, and so but confronting it, saying like, man, if 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 fear is if fear is in me. Um, then that's going to be something that the enemy is going to continue to try to use to defeat me or to stop me from moving forward or anybody, you know, at the end of the day, what is, what, what, what's the opposite of what God wants for us, what the enemy wants us to stop us, to paralyze us, to quiet us. So we don't stand up for what we believe um, is right. And so um, if we can rid ourselves of those things that plague us, bitterness and self-insecurity, all of those things, and we'll be better apt to doing what we're called to do. Mm. This is a, a kind of a three-part question, but it kind of ties into the question that I asked you before about what God's teaching you at the moment. What do you love the most about God in the first place? And then the second one is, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? Okay. This is always the same answer for this one. What I love the most about God. I love that God is, is, is a type of person, entity, whatever, but he, 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 it's, it's, it's God's love. It's, it's the love that loves you, whether it's a swish or an air ball, it's, it's the love that's like, I love you. It has nothing to do with what you do past that, um, kind of love that has freed me, you know, as a person and as an individual and as a man. And it's been the love that I've experienced from the people around me, my church family, doc, my wife now, Takeda, who has helped me to become who I am today. So it, it, it's, it's just, it's just the love. The Bible is that he loved us while we were yet sinners. He called us while we were yet sinners. He died for us while we were yet sinners. It was like, we didn't love him. We didn't want him. We didn't acknowledge him. And he sent his only son to die for us. And so many times in my life, I've experienced that love of God when I felt like I was at my lowest, when I felt like I blew it, when I felt like I did, you know, I did God wrong or I messed up in a game or all that stuff where he's been there and met me in that place that has helped me to just free myself of all the chains and the burdens of, you know, my past um, helped to unlock my mind um, to the the possibility that I could be loved. Um, And that's been so good for me. and then, you know, what do I love most about my story? I, I just, I think I love that it's real. I, I love that, um, you know, I know that people in the world are struggling right now with a time of standing for what they believe in because there are so many things that are, you know, in opposition, you know, being canceled and, and what people have to say and fearing what everybody else is around you is saying, but I want them to know based on my story that you cannot stand on God's word and fail. He has to keep you like my, my, my pastor always says, like he says, like he says this in respect, like I respect that he was like, we, we're held accountable to certain things, but God is held accountable to his word. He cannot he, he his word. He puts his word above his own name. And so he's like, he has to keep you when you move faith and you step out and you believe something um, with pure motives. God has to be there to keep you. And so that's what I love about my story, that it's, it's just real. It's, it's real. It's what people have experienced and go through with fear and standing for what they believe in. But I believe that through my story, people can find courage and faith to stand up and stand out. Wow, man. All powerful things. And speaking about standing, your, your new book is coming out next year, which does talk a lot about standing for what you believe in, your story, your, your authenticity. And your realness, man, I think that is, once again, very powerful and needful in today's society. You already touched on how, you know, cancel culture, how if you do go against the so-called grain of things, then you get pressured, you get you get belittled, like as as if you're not a human being anymore, like your opinion or your worth, uh, nothing, essentially. Um, So I wanted to ask you, like, at this present point in time in your life, you know, you have done some amazing things and you have stood up for some things that culturally or society would deem as not being right. But I myself have a lot of respect for you and admiration. And I think you're 
once again, inspirational for standing up in the dome uh, during the Black Lives Matter thing. Um, can I ask you, starting off with that, I know you probably like exhausted this speaking to so many other people about it, but I just yeah. wanted to ask you what happened after you you decided to stand? Like not not necessarily the before stuff, but what happened after to you? Uh, what happened after was a was a was a whirlwind of just uh, you know media and 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 what people ha- had to say about you know what it is that I did. Um, there were there was definitely negativity and you know people that felt like you know I was wrong or that didn't understand exactly what I was standing for. But at the same time, and more so, there were people that encouraged me and that you know reached out to me and you know you know flooded me with love when they understood as they understood what exactly I was standing for and what I meant um in standing so uh it, it was def- it was definitely more positive than negative and then I just went on you know I, I ended up getting hurt um the next game in the bubble and then and then you know I, I left the bubble um but all of those moments of not necessarily understanding like god like what is this? Why did this happen? I'm not sure. Um, I've been assured that it's for a purpose and me being able to write this book and me, you know, I got married and, and all of these different things. God had assured me that he still has a plan for my life and that I will be back. And, and all of the things that have happened outside of the bubble while I'm not playing um, have been nothing you know, short of extraordinary. How did you meet your wife? I'm curious. I met her at jump at the, at the church, oh. jump Ministries global church. So the young lady that I stood next to when I got there, that that night or that day that we fed the food and told me like she was like you know I just want to encourage you about what you're doing you know I see your heart in this and we were out passing flyers and you know our our story is cool because it's like a, um you know I met her there but I I didn't really like her like that I I liked her because she was beautiful all that stuff but um because of what I was coming out of um you know she wasn't she wasn't attractive to me in the personal sense. Um, and so, and at the same time, like, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't, you know, acknowledge me all that much and that stuff, what I was used to. But as I began to grow in God, she became more and more attractive to me. I'm like, yo, this is a woman of God that loves God. You know, she's sincere, she's sweet. Um, and the more I got to know, I was like, yeah, this is my wife. And what has been the biggest lesson she's taught you to date? (laughs) I I would say, I would say the, the biggest lesson she's taught me, she's, she's just, she's, she's, just like I was talking about, like the the love of God that has like helped me to like blossom. It's been the same thing from her. Like she's been there um, in my highs and in my lows. And when I got hurt, she was right there, um, you know, helping me and walking me through the whole thing and just encouraging me. And she's just reemphasizing the fact that not, I'm not just loved by God. God has given me people in my life to show me real, true, genuine love. And she's absolutely one of them. Amazing, man. I've got a couple more questions for you. And once again, really enjoy this conversation, but your new book next year, still working on the title. I understand that, but why did you decide out of all the things you could have done? Why did you decide to write a book? Cause writing a book is no easy thing to do, man. Yeah, like- sure. I, I, I'm, I'm learning that right now. Um, <laughs> it's going to go live for reporters, I believe um, January 4th. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, um, you know, as we connect afterwards and, you know, for the days and weeks to come, Jay, but, um, but yes, yeah, so it was like, it, it was, it was definitely um, my pastor as well. Like as um, after I got out of the bubble and I was hurt and we were walking through all of this stuff um, and getting into rehab and all that stuff, he was like, I think this is a book. I think your story and the man that you have become and are becoming, you know, people need to, to people need this, people need encouragement and inspiration about the days that we're facing. And so, and, and so we're working, we start working through this book and then the whole COVID things, ha- COVID thing happens with, uh, um, you know, you know, the vaccine and, and, you know, yeah. the, the stance I've taken on the vaccine, um, and just reiterating again, you know, the need to stand up for what you believe in in this time and not be ashamed or afraid to say it. But that he, you know, he, he said he think he should. And I said, you know what, I, I'm in agreement with you. And we just started, we started writing, connected with the, um, with the writer and, um, you know, just been moving through the whole process of writing and, and all that stuff. It's definitely difficult, but it's opened up, it's opened up like a creative side of me and also has, a, um, you know, helped me to kind of relive you know, some of the things that I've experienced in my past and, and kind of show me, you know, in full time where I've come from and what I've been able to overcome by the grace of God. Have you faced uh, much rejection at all with your book, like with the kind of material that you are putting in there? 
Have you like noticed that certain publishers like don't want to publish it? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I'm so glad, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the publisher that we did find. Um, but I remember I was on one call with a publisher and, uh, you know, we were talking about the book and, you know, especially when it came to the, to the black lives matter issues. And I was sharing, you know, my heart with it, you know, that I, that, that I agree, um, you know, that, that black lives do matter. I just didn't agree with the way that it was going about. And I felt that my life has been supported and changed by the gospel. And that's what I wanted to offer to everyone else. And that I felt like love, God's love was the answer, not just for people that agree with you, but people that you don't like and people that are on the other side of anything. And um, they were like, <laughs> they, just, they just weren't in agreement with, you know, um, you know, what, what, what I was putting down. And, and so, um, you know, that didn't end up being the, being the, 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 the publisher that we went with, but that was, that it was, it was funny to me, um, that whole process, but it's de- it definitely hasn't been, um, it wasn't the easiest thing with finding a publisher, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the one that we did find. No, I mean, like I, I went through a similar situation with a number of different publishers for my first book, which funny enough is coming out next year too, but oh, awesome. what's it called? Project? My, my book. Yeah. It's called the path of an eagle. How to overcome and lead after being knocked down. Cause I've got quite a, I can relate to a lot of things that you've, you've been through and you've learned over the course of your life. It's, it's crazy story. I'll send you a copy of the book when it does come out, but uh, I felt that I got rejected by quite, I think over 40 something publishers because of the content matter. And it wasn't in line with what they wanted to publish, which I completely understood. And then the second thing was uh, the social media aspect and all that sort of crazy phenomenon. It's more of a business nowadays, <laughs> but congratulations, man, for, for getting a publisher and, and for getting your book to release out into, into the world. Very, very excited for you. What do you hope the most for people to get out of reading this book? Well, and, and, and first dog, what, what you've been able to create, you know, this podcast thing, I was looking at the list of the different people that you've been able to talk to is, is, is amazing. You know what I'm saying? So be encouraged, keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it. And again, I'm, I'm grateful and appreciative to be on here. Um, what, what I would say, I want, I would want people um, to get from this book. I, I think this book is for everybody. And so I would say I would want Christians that read the book to, to, to be encouraged and almost in, inflamed in a sense of like, I can stand on what I believe in, um, in the midst of fear, in the midst of all those things. One of the things that I say in the book is that courage is not the absence of fear. That's not what courage is. Courage is fear being 100% present and choosing anyway and choosing to anyway. And that's what I've been able to do in these instances in my life where it's like, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't sign my contract yet. And, and I'm, I'm you know, going to stand in the bubble. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Um, and, and I chose to do it anyway. But when you do it, God is going to keep you. And so um, I would want Christians to just be emboldened, you know, by that. I would want people who don't know God or, you know, who, who, who haven't affirmed a relationship with Jesus in their lives. I would want them to, to look at the sincerity of my story and the reality of my story and, and say, you know, maybe I struggle with the same things or, um, you know, they have struggled with fear and anxiety and they've struggled with putting their identity in things that cannot sustain um, how great your identity is when it's found in God. And then to look at that and say, you know, I want this. I want this for my life. I want to see who I can become or who God has destined me to be based on, you know, doing a relationship with him. Um, and then there are obviously they're the people that disagree with me on the Black Lives Matter issues and the vaccine issues to to, again, see the sincerity in which why I stood. And there was a lot of confusion around why I stood, but I would want them to look at my story and say, I can respect that. I can respect this brother um, that has experienced what he's experienced in his life. And Jesus has been the answer for him triumphing the different battles um, that he's had to face. And that's why he won't deliver that message of Jesus being the answer for the world. I can respect that. Obviously, not everybody's going to, but I do feel that, you know, there's something for everybody in this book. Fundamentally, it being that a relationship with Jesus Christ is the number one thing, um, you know, the, the number one aid to prosperity in this life. Um, that I believe that there is. And, uh, um, you know, one of the things that I that I say in the book is that God was not trying to take anything from me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I so feared. It was like, yeah, I'm going to lose this and I'm going to lose that. I'm going to lose all that stuff. 
but he wasn't trying to take anything from me. He was trying to get something to me. And now that I've been able to experience marriage, you know, with, with my wife, Takeda, it was like, this is what God was trying to get to me. But I would have never got here. I was still doing what I was doing in the past. So he wasn't trying to take that stuff from me. He just had Takeda for me. And so many people, if they, if they, if they could experience that, uh, that God does not want to hurt you. He does not want to harm you. The Bible says that he has plans for your life to prosper you and to make you better and to form you more in the image of his son. And, uh, and that, uh, that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. And so he wants us to live abundant life um, and that he's, he's not trying to take anything from you. And if you would surrender to him the life that you've created, he could give to you the one that he's made for you. Amen, man. hundred percent. Like I'll say it again. I respect you. I respect your story. I respect everything that you've been through. And I agree with pretty much everything you've said. I agree with the stance that you took on the vaccine. I agree with the stance that you took standing up in the bubble for the Black Lives Matter issue. I'm I'm standing with you. That's my personal belief system. And I think what you did was right. And I I don't I didn't like or I didn't agree with what the media did to you. Uh, it was wrong, but I, I'm when I saw how you just continue to do you and you just move forward in your life with grace and humility, that for me, it just speaks to like who you are as a person, someone who loves God authentically. And he's not just, you know, doing it for any notoriety's sake. He's doing it because he believes in it. And that's important. So for a young person to see it like myself, it, man, <laughs> it's encouraging. It really is. So yeah, hundred percent respect so much to you, man. Respect to your story, respect to everything about you. Likewise, Jake, I appreciate that very much. It really does make me feel, you know, good. And I just, I give God all the glory. Um, and that to, to, to know and to hear that there are other people like yourself and other young people, or just people out there in the world that, um, that can grasp, you know, what it is that, that, I, that who I am and what it is that I stand for and agree and are walking in that same ideal. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's so encouraging for the future of the world and the future for the kingdom and the future for the kids that we're going to have to grow up in, you know, in the world that we live in. Well, mate, your story is going to change a lot of lives and all glory to God in the highest, right? Like that's the main, main thing. Dude, where do you want people to connect with you and, and learn more about you? Follow your story before I ask you the final question. Yeah, I, I mean, social media. I'm on uh, Instagram at John Isaac, J-O-N-I-S-A-A-C underscore zero one. Or you can just type in Jonathan Isaac. Um, I'm on there. You know, the, the, everything about the book, details about the book are going to be put on there on Twitter. You can just type in Jonathan Isaac on Twitter. Um, and, and learn everything you need to know about. Well, dude, can't wait till the book comes out. I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of it. This is my favorite question, man, that I ask everyone at the end of all my hey. conversations. It's a hey. hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your okay. friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything oh. you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh man, that's deep, Jay. Uh, <laughs> that's deep. Um, Left the best till last. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would want it. I, I wouldn't want it to be perfect. I, I wouldn't want it to be all good. I wouldn't want it to, because that's, that's just not real. It's not like I would want it to show my defeats. I would want it to show um, the times that I gave up, the times that I, um, you know, that I fell. Um, but at the same time, I would want the, the, the story to not end that way. I would want it to be clear um, that God has changed Jonathan Isaac for the better. Um, and that I have tried to sincerely um, and honestly live out this Christian walk the best way that I know how, and that it would show that I didn't do it by myself, that there were people, such great people, amazing people, my pastor, um, my wife, my family, my church family, um, that has helped me to become who I am today. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, that's what I would want to get. I wouldn't want it to be perfect. I wouldn't want it to be cookie cutter. I would want it to be real Jonathan Isaac's life, but at the same time show the courage that I found in Christ, the, the boldness that I found in Christ, um, and the impact that I've had on other people's lives for the better. 
Perfect send-off message, man. Thank you so much for your time today, your story and everything that you're doing in the world. Cannot wait to see what you do next, my friend. But thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for having me, man. You're a real one. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.